Hey, it's Nicole Johnson here. Uh, Phil and Zach told me this Sunday to give them Jesus. And so the message that you're about ready to hear is Jesus all through the Bible. God had a plan and it started in Genesis and his plan was to just be connected to his creation. The creator wanted a personal relationship with his creation and that's us. And we messed it up and all through the line of, of David and Jesus, man just, just messed up things. But God had a plan. He had a plan and that plan is Jesus. We are the purpose that Jesus came and he came at the season of Christmas and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And so enjoy this message today. Get out a piece of paper and a pen, take some notes because world changers are note takers. And at the very end of the message, I go through a list of Jesus in every book of the Bible. So it's pretty powerful because I, I enjoyed it and I hope you will too. Enjoy today. Wow, we have prayed and covered this service, this message. I, I told him earlier today, this is going to be a heavily read message, and they thought, or I said, heavy reading message, and they thought I said heavy breathing. So you guys do the heavy breathing, I'll do the heavy reading, and we'll get it done, okay? But just to start off with, tis the season, I'm going to uh, share a few things with you. I know Pastor Phil likes to start off with something funny. Um, I, I have so many things I could start off with, but one thing as parents, uh, we wanted to prepare our children. We never felt the need to protect our children from the world. We felt the need to prepare our children for the world. And so that means knowing what we believe, why we believe it, where do things come from, what to say when things are, are maybe not sounding the right, the right way. And so one thing that, one fun thing that we used to do was every day at lunch, we, we homeschooled from middle school on, and we would listen to a radio program on demand called Adventures in Odyssey. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It is out of Focus on the Family, James Dobson uh, Ministries up there in Colorado, but it was called Focus on the Family. It was called um, Adventures in Odyssey. And they would do the homework for us parents, but they would give the history on different origins, different, um, well, just break it down to Christmas. You know, who is St. Nicholas? Who is Santa Claus? And I was so glad to find out um, about some of these because we as Christians sometimes, we can throw the baby out with the bathwater pretty quick sometimes. And we can be like, oh, that's just, just get rid of all of that. We don't want to see any of that. Well, let, let's just break it down. Let's find out who St. Nicholas is. And I'm sorry if I offend you. There'll be more time, more opportunities for you to get offended before, I, before I'm done, I'm sure. So just kind of let this one roll. But who is St. Nicholas? And I'm going to read it because I did not memorize it. Sorry. Um, the true story of Santa, of Santa Claus begins with Nicholas, who was born during the third century in a village near, in Asia Minor. At the time, the area was Greek and is now the southern coast of Turkey. His wealthy parents, who raised him to be a devout Christian, died in an epidemic while Nicholas was still young. Obeying Jesus' words to sell what you own and give money to the poor, Nicholas used his whole inheritance to assist the needy, the sick, and the suffering. He dedicated his life to serving God and was made bishop of Myra while still a very young man. 
Bishop Nicholas became known throughout the land for his generosity to those in need, his love for children, and his concern for sailors and ships. One story tells of a poor man with three daughters, and this is the one that I remember. There were many stories online, but this is the one I remember. One story tells of a poor man with three daughters, in whose day, in those days, a young woman's father had to offer prospective husbands something of value, like her daughter, like their daughter wasn't enough, but needed a dowry. The larger the dowry, the better the chance that a young woman would find a good husband. Oh, I could go many places right now, but I won't go there. Without a dowry, a woman was unlikely to marry. How much is she worth to you? Come on. All right, I'm getting back on track here. This poor man's daughters, without dowries, were therefore destined to be sold into slavery. Mysteriously, on three different occasions, a bag of gold appeared in their home providing the needed dowries. The bags of gold tossed through an open window are said to have landed in stockings or shoes left before the fire to dry. This led to the custom of children hanging stockings or putting out shoes eagerly awaiting gifts from St. Nicholas. And so St. Nicholas is known as a gift giver. So I love that story, and it's like, okay, there's more, there's more where that came from, but I'm not, I'm not taking the time on that. But another thing that I love, and I like to talk about this every Christmas because candy canes are everywhere. That's how we know them, right, as candy canes. Does anyone know the origin of the candy cane? Some of us may. Okay, so just as a refresher, here we go. A candy maker in Indiana wanted to make candy that would be a witness, so he made the Christmas candy cane. He began with a stick of pure white, hard candy. White symbolizes the virgin birth and the sinless nature of Jesus, and hard represents the solid rock, the foundation of the church and firmness of the promises of God. The candy maker made the candy in the form of a J to represent the precious name of Jesus. Is that right for you? Is that right for you? (laughs) Jay, this way. The shape could also stand for the staff of the good shepherd with which he reached out, he reached down to lift out fallen lambs who like all sheep have gone astray. Thinking that the candy was somewhat plain, the candy maker stained it with red stripes He used three small stripes to show the stripes of the scourging Jesus received, by which we are healed. The large stripe was for the blood shed by Christ on the cross, so we could have the promise of eternal life. So the next time you look at a candy cane, I like to find the ones with three stripes and the big bold stripe, because it really means you know, what it was intended to mean. So little things like that, just don't forget. And when your kids come home from school or your grandkids and you're hearing them talking about just the frivolity of of the season, you can just set them down and go, you know what, let's really talk about what the candy cane is all about and what and who Santa Claus, St. Nicholas is. So prepare your children and prepare you. Sometimes somebody might be here like, I never knew that. And like wreaths, wreaths used to just be like a bow of of evergreen. Evergreen was a symbol of life. 
Who doesn't like an evergreen during Christmas when, or during winter when everything has been laid dormant and then you see this beautiful evergreen? So it talks about life. And then so then the Christians, though, they turned it into a wreath representing everlasting life. And then they would put red berries in representing the blood of Jesus. I mean, oh, I could go on and on and on. The Christmas tree, Martin Luther was, was, was said to bring out the Christmas tree to actually put candles on his. Now, yeah, that's not OSHA approved. We're not gonna do that today. But years ago, yeah, they would put live candles, lit candles, because he was walking home one day and he was just in the glory of God, noticing all the stars in the sky and noticing the evergreens around. He wanted to recreate that for his family of many, many children in his home. And so he put candles on his Christmas tree to represent the stars in the sky. How sweet is that? So enjoy your Christmas tree. Enjoy your, your St. Nicholas's. Enjoy your candy. But just remember, you know, what they're supposed to represent, okay? And they don't overshadow Jesus. And another little uh, tip that, that I heard, my kids, thankfully, were, were too old when the Elf on a Shelf came out. You know, I know that it's kind of waning in its popularity, I think but they're coming out with different versions. But, um, but I heard just recently, and this was a great way, take Mary and Joseph out of the manger scene and hide them around the house, and they've got to find Mary and Joseph because they're on their journey to Bethlehem. And then on Christmas Day, Christmas morning, baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph are in the, are in the manger scene. So that's kind of a, just a fun little tip. Those were free, okay? So moving on, but I love that part of Christmas. But as I was preparing for today, of course, I went to the Lord, okay, what, what, what do I say? What do I say? And um, the Lord took me to, to his lineage. He said, you know, let's look at the family tree, and we were all like, oh, great, the family tree. Uh, I was just talking to my sweet friend, Marsha, last night, and she was talking about she has a relative who's really into the genealogy of her family, and he's done all the research, and she's like, "Woo, yeah, our family tree is nothing to shout from the rooftops about. And she was talking about, they even have la the last name Scheister in her, in her family lineage, and she didn't even know what, she I said, Scheister? Maybe that's where that came from. And she goes, they didn't know. I guess Heister hasn't met, hasn't gone to Kentucky yet. But around these parts, um, you don't want to be associated with a Heister because that means, okay. But anyway, but, and when she was telling me about all this, I said, oh, you mean, you mean your family line's like Jesus? And she was like, no. I said, yeah, your family line is like Jesus. You know, when you really go back through the family lineage, the family tree of Jesus, uh, we're going to be a little surprised. Most of this will be refresher. It probably won't be new news to you, but it's always good to remember so we don't forget. So we're just basically going to start from the beginning. God always has a plan. Nothing he does is ever wasted. You may think, oh, was that a time wasted over there? No. Our very time meeting, um, uh, Marsha and Jim, 27 years ago, we moved down to Dallas, totally rabbit trail right now, but we moved down to Dallas and thinking, oh, God's, God's got something for us here. Two weeks in, we were like, we missed God. It was like, oh, what are we going to do? And I was seven months pregnant with Rebecca, and we were just in it 
for the long haul. We were, oh, man. Well, as God would have it, one year to the day we moved there, we moved away. We moved back. Um, and God, we got back into his perfect will. That was his permissible will. But through that time, it will, even though we feel like we missed God, God had a plan. And God turned what we thought was maybe a time waster. God's like, it's never wasted time. So we were there one year to the day, and here we are 27 years later. We're still connected. Have we not gone? We wouldn't have this beautiful relationship. And, and others like that. So God always has a plan, and it includes people. Have you, realize, have you realized that God doesn't do anything without people? We're here today because... Somebody told us, or God told us to come here, and here we are, and you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's miraculous. A perfect God uses imperfect people. So we're talking about family trees here. We picture Jesus coming from a perfect father, but sometimes we forget about the family tree in which Jesus came from. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. When you think it's all over, when you think the tree's been cut down, there's comes a shoot. There's life. There's still life there. So we're going to start creating creation. Genesis 1-1 gets a good place to start, right? Maria von Trapp would be very proud. In the beginning, that's better than once upon a time. You know, time happened after the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was before time. See, God just recently kind of whispered into my spirit. He goes, I'm not a God of time. I'm a God of order. I went, okay, that, that resonates in me, but explain it because we're people of time and I'm all about being on time and I'm not, I don't want to be late and I'm a time person. But think about it. The steps of the righteous person are ordered of the Lord. He ordered our steps. He ordered us Dallas. He ordered us here. Now, he's not like beating us over order that way, but you know what I mean. He's ordering our steps. When we look back, hindsight is always twenty twenty. When we look back, we're like, oh, wow, all those dots are coming together. And it won't be until the end of our life, whenever that is, that we'll see that beautiful tapestry of all the connected dots and be like, Wow, God, you are so amazing. He always does things bigger than what we can imagine. So Psalms 37, 23, our steps are ordered. And then in John, so Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, that's the Old Testament. New Testament, we do it again. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're talking about Jesus in the beginning, in the beginning, Old Testament, New Testament, here today, we're talking about Jesus. And then on the sixth day of creation, God saw everything that he had done, and he said, it is good. And then he took a nap. Sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? He rested. But that didn't last very long, did it? Then the fall of man came, Genesis 3.8, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. When we've fallen and we've lost our way, God comes with one question. 
You may hear this lingo around church, I'm, I got saved. Or if you're lost, come back to God. What does that save, that lost? What does that really mean? I like to know what things mean. And so simply, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you've lost your way, and it's like you're trying to go through life trying to figure it out, and you're just, you've lost your way, come back to God. You may think, well, I've never been with him. He's been with you. So it's a matter of just saying, yes, here's my life. Do something with it. And then you're saved. It's not some big lightning bolt, you know, seize part and, oh, I, 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 I can do algebra now. It's not one of those kind of moments. It's a, you still have to put your shoes on the same way you did yesterday. You still have to fix your hair tomorrow like you did today. You still have to get up and go. But now, you're with the creator. The, created, the creator is with the created. And he lives inside of you. And so he can map your way. He, he can put a little knowing inside of you. Hey, go down this way today. Just like Jim was saying, what, what do I do? You'll be led by the spirit. He'll start saying, you know, text this person. Hey, why don't you pick up the phone and call this person? And I know if I, if I asked you and we took the time, there's everybody in here has been like, yeah, there was this one time when I sent a text and the person said, how did you know I needed that right then? Holy Spirit makes us look really good. But it's those promptings. And our responsibility is to, to, is to do the obeying. But when we've lost our way, God asks one question. He doesn't ask, why did you do that? Or what did you do wrong? He says, where are you? Isn't that a loving father? Yes. He's not condemning. He's not beating you over the head. He's just like, where are you? He's looking for Adam and Eve. He's looking for me. He's looking for you. He's looking for us. So that's a very significant question in the Old Testament. Where are you? I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Then after the fall of man, man just started doing their own thing. God was looking around because God's whole plan was to walk and to have communion, conversation with us, his creation, all the time, for all time. But we messed it up. And so he was looking for people who he could commune with. He found one named Noah. Out of everyone. Here's something to think about too. With Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, Noah found favor with the Lord, so God downloaded to him the whole ark. I mean, yeah, who could have figured that one out? Any engineers in, this, in, the, in the room? So without going to school, without being taught precedent, Lance, without somebody showing you what to do, God said, build an ark, and he saved his family. In God's looking for his people to come to him, he only found the one, Noah. Could it be the real source of the great flood was actually God's tears of sadness? Just something to think about. Wow. Abraham, we're still talking about the lineage of Jesus. Abraham was the, next, was the next man God was able to come to. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. He told Abraham, count the stars. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. God started all over again with one man. Get this. God said to Abraham, leave everything you know 
and you need to trust me with everything you have and you'll have everything you'll need because I'll be with you. Leave it all behind. Trust you with everything. Leave everything I know. And God wanted to reform and refashion his people on this earth. Then Abraham had a son named Isaac. In Genesis 21, verse 6, God brought me laughter. That's what Isaac means, laughter. So you see, Abraham laughed happy, but Sarah laughed sad, meaning she didn't believe. Right, that's really going to happen. How many times have we done that? Well, well, that worked for you, but I don't know about me. Abraham took God at his word. Don't you think that the God who birthed the stars in the sky can take an older than physically possible couple and fill the sky with their offspring? That's the kind of God we serve. Believe God, even if it's unbelievable. Believe God. If it's in his word, you can believe it with everything. God always has everything, excuse me. With God, everything is always more than it seems. Sarah finally said, God has brought me laughter. Then Abraham and Isaac. Oh, here's, here's a test we know about. Genesis twenty two fourteen. Abraham, take your son, your very precious son, the only son you have that's supposed to populate the skies with people, you know, as numerous as the stars, and just obey. Abraham trusted that God would provide another way if he would just obey. And those of you who know us Johnsons, um, we're living in this, we're living in the obedience. We're living in, in obedience. I'm here today because of obedience. And you've come over to our house and you, you've seen our, our home. It's, it's beautiful. And it's, we did what Abraham did. We, we, Gave it away, and we went to a land that God would show us. And, and God has provided everything. So yeah, I do have some precedent to stand up here and say, God can do it. Because he did it for me. And that wasn't the first time. That was just another time. And, again, and that was an again time. Does that make sense? He did it again. And he will continue to do it again, whatever we have need of. So... Those of us who know the story, Abraham and Isaac, they took wood for the fire. They took fire to light the wood to go sacrifice. And Isaac was a pretty sharp cookie. He's looking around and he's like, so dad, uh, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham himself said, God himself will provide a sacrifice. Think about that. God himself will provide a sacrifice. It's called Jesus. So God had a plan and he was working it out among way back when, way back when. Then we go to Jacob. Jacob was a little, little shyster there. He had a dream one night of a ladder going up and down, up and down, angels descending, descending and ascending to heaven. And even, even Jesus quoted him back in John, uh, in John thousands of years later, 
It said, I tell you the truth, this is John 1:51. I tell you the truth that all will see heaven open and angels of God going up and going down on the Son, on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So back in Jacob's dream, Jesus is that stairway. Jesus is that ladder. Jesus was there with Jacob in his darkest moment. Jesus was in that Old Testament. Jesus didn't come down to show you how to climb the ladder. Jesus is the ladder. Or like we like to say, he's the steps. He's the door to heaven. It's Jesus. Then we move on to Joseph. Joseph with the coat of many colors. He was his father's prized son. Genesis 50, verse 20. This is what Joseph told his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. You see, Joseph's brothers intended to strip him of his coat, which was his identity, and eventually strip him from his family and his lineage. But he's in the lineage of Jesus. See, God planned it. God had a plan. You can't make this stuff up. We look at, we look at them, well, well, if this makes sense. But they're living it. They're living it. They couldn't see it for what it was until... Just think what your grandkids are going to say about you. Wow, grandma did that. Wow, papa, he, he moved there and he met this person. He, that's how God does these things. Then after Joseph and, uh, and the people of God fell into slavery, he rose, he rose Moses up. And God, once again, he's trying, his whole plan is to get that relationship back with people, Right? He's not just doing this for a watercolor thing, like we're just going to see what it all ends up like being. He had a purpose, and he had a plan, and you were his purpose, and Jesus is his plan. The 10 love rules. The Lord said to me, this is in Deuteronomy 5, 28 and 29. The Lord said to me, oh, that their hearts will be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. There's a parenting verse right there. Well, I don't know if I, uh, what rules to give my kids. What did I just? Obey God's commands so that it will go well with you and your children forever. God loved us so much, he etched his love into stone. You may think, well, rules, rules, rules. We flourish with boundaries. We flounder without them. We need that, 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 those rules. We need the boundaries. We need the example to follow. So don't be like, well, I'm just going to let my kids figure it out. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, 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 an ogre and just make them do it. I'm a product of make them do it. Make them do it until they want to do it. But you got to live the life all the time. So our miracles weren't just our miracles. Our miracles were our miracles. Our kids had to believe God along with us in every step away. So, so take your kids with you. Bring your kids to the outreach tomorrow. Kids can touch kids like, like nobody's business. You know, and it's beautiful to see families worshiping together through, through outreach. It's beautiful. All right, so after Moses, then Joshua came, and Joshua was ready to take the, 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 the promised land. 
Joshua was a contemporary of Moses. He trained up underneath him, but he was a man of war. And so he's like, I'm going to go take Jericho, was his, was his first city. Well, Jericho had high walls, and they were wide, wide and high, and they kept everybody out. But surprisingly enough, there were a couple of spies that just walked right in one day, and they happened to meet a girl. Well, this girl was rather friendly. She just brought them both into her house. Her name was Rahab in the lineage of Jesus. Well, so they told, they told Rahab the plan, and she was like, hey, she didn't know them from Adam and Eve. But you know what? She knew enough. She saw in them something that she wanted, something that, that, that no, nothing could satisfy her back in Jericho. So she was like, I want what you have, but I need, you know, how, how, how can you spare my family? So they devised a plan. They said, uh, verse uh, Joshua 2.18, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window. And we'll know that's your family. We'll get you out before destruction comes to your city. So God delivered her and brought her into his family as the many, many, many times over great-grandmother of Jesus. The walls of Jericho were high and hard, just like our hearts can be high walls and hard hearts, but they cannot stop the love of God from coming. The love of God can come over any wall, can open any door of any heart, can find anyone, anywhere, in anything. So tie your heart to God with the rope, stained red, with the blood of Jesus. You may be here today say, I'm at, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what to do. The old timers used to say, well then honey, tie a knot and hold on. Hold on to that rope. Then a little girl named Ruth. Jumping along, we're going, going kind of quick through the word, but Ruth. Ruth married uh, a son in her own country. This was... Um, a family that, that Naomi left Bethlehem with her family. She left starving. This is very interesting. She left Bethlehem, and Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And she left there because there was a famine. So that kind of tells me, you can come to a full church and leave empty. How does that happen? Your expectation determines your experience. I don't want to be in a room full of people and be the loneliest person in the room. I don't want to come into a church that presents the full, the full presence of God and leave hmm, unchanged. It should change us every single time. It should just get us closer and closer to God and more and more on fire every time we come to church. We don't want to just come to church and just say, oh, that was a good service. Oh, Merry Christmas. See you, See you at Easter. Happy Easter. No. We want to say, okay, what does God have for me today? I want a heart on fire. I want more and more and more. I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm 52. I actually gave my first message when I was 10, like in big church. It was a youth night, and I got up, you know, with my, with my notes, and, and, I, and I delivered my message. I was one of a couple of different kids. When I was done, I wanted to run to my mom and just cry and just be pat on the back and just be like, oh, bless your heart, honey, it's going to be okay, because I felt disappointed in myself. And I went to my mom, who's an amazing woman of God, and, and I wanted, you know, sympathy, and she just looked at me and she said, did you obey God? 
Did you say what he wanted you to say? Yes. Well, then get over it. Basically, it's not about you. It's about being obedient. And that's how I was raised. So, you know, it, it, I'm just being obedient. Just got to deliver it the way God gave it to me and just, just go with it. So Ruth, she followed her, 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 um, her mother-in-law. Let, let, let me, let, let, for those of you who need to, so Naomi and her husband and their two boys went to, um, to another land outside of Bethlehem and set up shop. And so the boys were raised there. They married foreign women. Ruth was one of them. And um, during that time, both sons died. Her, the, the dad died, both boys died, so Naomi turned very bitter. She was better in, in, in um, Bethlehem, but now she was bitter, and she was getting ready to go back. And so one daughter-in-law just stayed with her family in, in the land of darkness, basically, and Ruth said, no, I'm going with you. She hooked herself to the God in Naomi, because Naomi herself was bitter, so that's nothing to hook yourself to. You don't, want to be, you don't want that to root in you. But she saw the God in her. And so she even said, wherever you go, I will go. Whoever your God is, your God will be my God. And, and, and I, I basically felt the same way. When, I, when my mother went to heaven, I turned to my mother-in-law, Jane, and I said, you're my mom now. She didn't know what she signed up for, but we walk in forgiveness. But I basically... Your God is my, is my God. And, and we, we, we strengthen each other in faith. And I need what she has because she's, she's 30 years ahead of me. We need each other. And so whatever you have, make sure that it's better and not bitter so that people can, can you, you can give them the God that you have. See, Ruth was smart. Smart people look for the light when they're standing in the darkness. Just... Hang on, baby. Find the light and go for it, no matter what. I'm going to jump down here. Uh, of course, David is in, is in the lineage of, of Jesus. And I just, the, my notes just put down here that, you know, looking from the, we look at things from the outside in, but God looks from the inside out. And that's how David was picked. Where this Christmas time, what are, what are you going to look for under the tree? The biggest, shiniest present. And it better have your name on it. But God's looking at the gift inside. So make sure what you're looking for is the real deal. Isaiah, oh, what, so the minor prophets, the major prophets in the Old Testament, Jesus is, is woven all throughout there. And um, there was a lot of darkness during that time. And these prophets, Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they, they, they gave light. They, they, they gave the, the hope for the future. I'm going to skip down to Esther. Esther, she wasn't, she wasn't known as Queen Esther when she was just Hadassah. She was just a little girl. But she became a bridge to the king, and she saved her people. Do you want to be a bridge to the king today and save your line, your people, the people that, that you influence? You think, whoa, that's a, whole, that's a whole community she helped. No, I'm talking about your coworker. Can you be a bridge to the king for your coworker, for your mailman? Can you be a bridge to the king? And you may say, just like, just like um, uh, Esther, I will go see the king. If I perish, I perish. But you know what? You're living at your address for such a time as this. 
You're at your job for such a time as this. God knew where you would be in 2021 for such a time as this. What are you doing with your oxygen? Oh, I loved what Becca said earlier, new in 22. And I'm like, we're all ready to be new, new, fresh, new, you know, newness of life. I'm not prophesying that's, that's the word for 2022, but boy, I love it. Newness of life. Be that life, that bridge to the king for the people around you. Then after Esther, we've got Habakkuk. This is what Habakkuk said in, in Habakkuk 2.1. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at the guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. Wow, big deal. Just like the cold can move you closer to the warmth of a fire, hard things can move you closer to the love of God. At this time in history, there was 400 years of silence. And no, it was not a silent night. All was not calm and all was not bright, but God had a plan and he used people. And so that, that was all Old Testament that I talked, but now here we are, New Testament. God, he just can't stay away. He doesn't stop his plan. He spoke through prophet after prophet after prophet. And here's, here's one of the things he said, Matthew chapter one, verse 23. Sorry, Cherry, you're phenomenal. You're all over the map with me today. We all need Cherry to go home with us so when you sing your Christmas carols around your tree, she can do lyrics for you. So, Cherry, you've got job security there. And you're, you're training. You've got openings back there, don't you? So we are training for lyrics. So don't want to scare anybody away from that. It's a, it's a great needed ministry. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. See, God can't stay away. No matter what you've done, what you've said, what you're ashamed of, what, we're, what we've messed up, God can't stay away. He wants to still be in the midst of all of that. Then we've got Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah means God remembers. They were, they were without child. They were childless. But Luke 128 says, an angel came and says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. You may think, well, where have you been? It's about time. Time, it's in his order of things. Because our timing would be like, whoo, God almost missed that one. Wow, he's never early, but he's always on time. That's not a verse. (laughs) That's a song. But you know, just remember, God, God will never let you down. So just don't get your brain on a time frame and just know God is, is a God of order. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they had a son named John. His name was not John the Baptist when he had him. The Baptist is not his last name, but John, you shall call him John, which was phenomenal back then because basically if, if, if your name was Lance, you had Lance Jr., and then you had Lance this, the third. You know, I mean, it, what, the names were carried on, right, Richard? There's like how many Bobs in my family, Bobby? So I'm, I'm glad, you know, we've got a Zach and a, and, a, and, a, and a Phil. But in my father's, there's like Bobs and Roberts all the way down. That not, not so much here. John the Baptist, he turned into the Baptist, the baptizer. He was the voice 
preparing, shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. He was also considered like a thunder in the desert. Luke 1, 17, he prepared the people for the coming of the Lord. Talk about order. And then Mary, oh, she had a, she had a dream. An angel came to her and she was wide awake. And, and, and God blessed her and said, oh, Mary, here you go. But Mary had an option. I mean, all of these people going back through, they all had an option to obey or to just go their own way. I want to be in the obey camp category because I want God to do something with me. I don't want to just go my own way. That's when you're in that inky black darkness just kind of going, where am I? Mary made a space for God. It was right here, ladies. She said, yes, God, I will make a space for you. Now, men, women across, across this auditorium, we need to make a space for God in our family, in our homes, in our businesses, in our communities. And all God needs is, is you. You may think, I don't have much. You've got, it. You've got everything he needs. He's got a plan, and you are the purpose. Joseph Joseph, yes, and the angel said, you will call him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, he's, he's never ending Christmas. In Luke chapter two, verse 11, it says he's the savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. I think it's neat that, that, the, angels got the, mes- that the, the, the angels got the message to the shepherds first. And I was sitting this morning in my quiet time, and I was like, Lord, it may be just real disjointed. It may, I don't know how it's going to come out, but I know, I know you told me, you know, you put this all together. He said, you know, shepherds, when was the last time you saw shepherds like stuffing grass down a sheep, you know, picking the grass, force feeding a sheep or, or making them drink? No, what does the shepherd do? He leads them into green pastures and besides still waters. It's up to the sheep to eat and to drink. But the shepherd brings the food, but the sheep have to eat it. So I'm, I know I just kind of, Kevin kind of gave you like, like droplets of the word today. But now you take it and you say, okay, God, what do you want to show me today? What, what do you want to tell me? And that's, that's the sheep's responsibility. So you should never leave going, I just didn't get fed today. You know? We all have a responsibility in this. If you, you, you cook all day and you've got this big buffet and people come to your house. If they leave hungry, is it your fault? No. You've, you put out the spread. And every time we have service, when I talked to Phil and Zach the, yesterday, I said, they said, just give them Jesus. Just give them Jesus. And I said, that's the plan. That's the plan. You don't want me. You want Jesus. Now, God uses people, like I said at the beginning, he uses fallible people, and he uses people who mess up. And that's when that's, we just have to get over ourselves. But You've, we all have a responsibility to feed ourselves. Now, in the Old Testament, Rebecca, go ahead and come up. In the Old Testament, 
in the, in the Garden of Eden, God posed that question, where are you? Where are you? Well, now in the New Testament, the wise men are coming through and they want to, to honor and to, and to worship and to bring gifts to the king. And what was their question? Where is he? Where is he? So this morning, I'm here to tell you where Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Here goes. In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he is the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he is our Mordecai, our advocate. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning for life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the outpour of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is our judge and savior. In Jonah, he is the risen prophet. In Micah, he is the ruler of the world from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is our stronghold. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman. In Zephaniah, he is the mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer. In Zechariah, he is the branch of David, the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the servant miracle worker. In Luke, he is the baby in the manger, the son of man. In John, he is the son of God, the living word, the way, truth, and life. In Acts, he is the savior of the world, ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is our comfort. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In Ephesians, he is head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. In Colossians, he is our completeness and the glue that holds our world together. 
In First and Second Thessalonians, he is the coming king. Let's stand. In First and Second Timothy, he is our mediator. In Philemon, he is our benefactor. In Titus, he is the blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is our perfection. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is the chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith, our security. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is he? His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be here saying, I what does that word mean? Hallelujah. It means I'm redeemed. It means I can stand before you and say, I know where I'm going after this life. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. I have no doubt in my mind. Do I make mistakes? Oh, you betcha, baby, I do. But you know what? I know who, who I have believed in. I know he, Jesus loves me. He died on the cross for my sins, which makes everything that I've done in the past null and void. And I take his, his, his plan and I make it my plan and I now am a person of light. Wherever I walk, I can, I open, I see where I'm going and I see what God is doing. Now, if you're here, this is what we want. We want everyone to have the same assurity. So many times we're looking for insurance when we should be looking for assurance. Jesus is so good. And this is the day of salvation. And if you're here and you're not right with God, you have any inclination inside of you going, I don't, I'm not sure. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes because this is what it's all about. This is the gift that God wants to unwrap out of his word is the gift of new life, the gift of his son, Jesus. If you want to make sure that you're sure that you're sure. But you know, how, how, how can you, sometimes you're like, well, how can you be sure? And you're, you're trying to figure it out on your own. And that's called self-assurance. And that's not very strong. And sometimes we try to go through life, well, if I just look the right way, if I say the right things, then that leads to trying to hide our pain. And I've seen so many times people coming through it with the 99 and with other, other situations that we've been in, they'll sit down, they'll talk, and they'll be like, yeah, I look good on the outside, but I'm broken on the inside. And then they start sharing that, that they've got scars on their arms because of cutting. See, it starts by cutting others down to make you feel better about yourself. But the devil never stops with that. He's out to get your whole life. He's out to, to stop God's plan from happening in you. So you may think, well, oh my word, uh, I'm so ashamed. What am I going to do? Baby, God knows already. 
God knows the pain on the inside that you're trying to make better, just alleviate the pain on the inside by cutting on the outside. Jesus wants to make it all better. And you may think, oh, it's going to take years and years and years. Do you know that God can instantly heal you and leave no scar tissue behind? That goes for the heart and for the arms or the legs or wherever. Whatever's going on in this place today. That's how serious God is about you. You are his purpose. And his plan was Jesus. See, Jesus already did it. Remember the candy cane, the stripes on the candy cane? That's to remind us, oh, he took the scars. And you may think, well, that's just for physical sicknesses. That's for mental sickness. That's for financial sickness. That's for relation sickness. That's for anything that's not right. See, God sent Jesus to make what was wrong right. That's what salvation is, taking something wrong, making it right. Repentance is simply going this way, turning and going this way. It's pretty simple. Loved what what Chris shared, Chris and Dana, during generosity. He simply told you, it was so simple. Your money is not yours. I'm like, hello. That's so simple. This word, it's pretty simple. every Every book of the Bible, in my Bible, I wrote down who Jesus is in that book. It's pretty simple. Ruth, he's my kinsman redeemer. You can write in here, you know. It's okay. We're not changing God's word. We're just reminding ourselves what this book of the Bible is, who Jesus is in that. So we're to the point of praying. Salvation is a decision. And it's as simple as that. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for anybody else. This is, a, this is between you and God. So I know I asked you a long time ago to bow your heads. But let's bow before God. And if you want to say yes to Jesus, this is for you. This is a public saying yes. I want you to raise your hand. By, by doing that, you're saying, you know, I'm ready. I want to make sure that I know, that I know, that I know. I'm going to heaven. I want to give God my greatest gift. And that's your heart. That's everything. You can't live without your heart. So if that's you, just say yes to Jesus today. Because he loves you. And he wants all of you. And he's not going to stop today. So don't think, well, okay, 12 o'clock's here. I I can skip out of here. Holy Spirit will still be at you, at you, at you. Because God doesn't want anyone to perish but have everlasting life. It may look like he's delayed. He's waiting on you. So Father, right now we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are the word. Word made flesh and dwelt among us. So God, lead us and guide us every day by your word. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and we yield to you and we say yes 
to your will in our life. We may not be able to figure it all out, but that's why faith pleases God, because we trust in you fully. We thank you for this day and the word that went forth. We will eat it like sheep in a green pasture, and we will drink it like sheep next to a a clean babbling brook. We thank you, Father. Lord, be with our families during this season. Father, those who are, are, are navigating relationships in their home. Father, I pray that you would just wrap your arms around their hearts, that offense would not come, would not, have, would not be welcome, that it would just roll right off like water off a duck's back. I thank you that your anointing oil is on us to bring healing to our families this season. In Jesus' name.